Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Today, we're going to be giving you some new tools, some new ideas to help you, uh, you know, not have to take extreme measures, let's say, when it comes to your child's video game playing. There's a lot of people falling into addiction around those video games, and today we're going to be talking about some other ways we may be able to occupy their mind, their their thoughts, their time even. Uh, Dr. Paul Jenkins will be joining us a little bit later, but first let's get to the headlines. Holy cow, the craziest news video I think I may have seen in a very long time, that airplane, the Trans-Asia Airways plane carrying 58 passengers crash lands in the Keelung River in Taipei. Did you see that video? I have not seen the video, no. Holy cow. Yeah, James. it was incredible. I'm betting I could look at it. An Terrifying. airplane, right? An airplane banking, like... I saw the picture. Oh, That's my incredible. heavens. The live video, your stomach just drops. And part of the plane, I guess the tail end, I couldn't tell, clips part of this bridge. This car has to swerve out of the way. It actually hit the car. Did it hit the car? Yeah, yeah. it did. I just saw this. Yeah, it the wing the clips the car. Yeah, like the wing, it just cuts right. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. Anyway, sadly, uh, it was carrying 58 people, and it had to bank sharply onto its side, clipped a highway bridge, careened into a shallow river, and now 23 people are, are dead. 20 or so are missing still. Um, I think 15 survived. That really? seems like that adds up to more than the number. Oh, they yeah, got right. to be injured, though. Oh, yeah. you All these rubber rafts were trying to get them out of the airplane, fuselage. It was just, it's just, again, it's, it's, it was so surreal. That, when I saw mm-hmm. that plane, it reminded me of 9-11. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, just this plane banking right over the, the river. Again, you know, this is just... Day, this is daily, right? All the time we're seeing this, these these tragedies, and yet um, it's still the safest form of travel. Hmm. I know. Well, you know when you when you talk about things, when you talk about the crashes, they never talk about the good landings. No, they don't. There's there's too many of them to talk about, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, we had another good landing in Baltimore today. Yay! Another successful landing in LAX. <laughs> hey, once again, to interrupt the news, another successful landing. <laughs> mm-hmm. This just in. <laughs> another plane lands. So anyway, that's that's tragic. And uh, that's I think I really think that was kind of the problem with the space shuttle. What do you mean? Well, I think it got it it just got too Blase. Yeah. Oh, that's to right. regular everyday. Yeah, once again, the space shuttle is landing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There it is. The news didn't cover it. And so people, did, and so I think that's also why it wasn't funded anymore. You know, it may have been. It wasn't, it wasn't top of mind. It wasn't hip mm-hmm. enough. By the way, have you ever seen? I, I went and saw a live takeoff of the space shuttle, and it was probably the most incredible experience ever. I would think so. And I was really close. I got to sit right next to the visiting or the viewing area where the families sit of the astronauts. And, man, when that thing lights up and it when the, when the shuttle is above the liftoff, what do they call it, platform, 
just right above it, you all of a sudden you get this, the sound vibrations and you know the sound um, like that noise funnel that comes and you can just feel your organs shaking. <laughs> it is the coolest thing ever. And actually, my family that also would see the landing said by far the landings are more interesting. Really? Why is that? I don't know. I guess because it glides and it glides. You just see it gliding and coming in. I think you can get closer to it too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, I guess the most amazing thing is, you know, it's traveled a long ways and it lands in the same spot, two wheels on the exact same black mark mm-hmm. every time. Money. But, yeah. Really cool. oh, I can't believe how fast that thing is going. Oh, I know. When you first spot it in the yeah. air as a dot, yeah. and it's just like zoom. Right. Well, so, we're here. It's like James trying to get to a knife cell. I know. I go fast. Flying. Hey, James, I got some good news for okay, you. Okay, what's that? Uh, you, do you remember the Power Ranger we talked about? Yes. Red Ranger. Yep. Ricardo Medina Jr., who was a former Power Ranger star, we mentioned that he was arrested for stabbing to death his roommate. With a sword. With a sword. Yeah. Uh, Josh, uh, Joshua Sutter was his name. Well, apparently the DA is not going to press charges. Really? Why is that? He's free as a bird. Because uh, it was self-defense. Oh. And they basically say, you know, this, these are his remarks, which I thought were really, it's almost like they were written by a scriptwriter for the Power Rangers. <laughs> but he said, I'm very, very, very sorry for what occurred, the 36-year-old actor said after being released, uh, according to KTLA. I'm very happy to be out of jail, and my heart goes out to the Sutter family. But apparently what happened is his friend, Sutter, the roommate, they kind of got in a little fight. It got physical. And then, uh, and then Medina went, walked away, went with his girlfriend to his room to kind of get out of the situation, locked the door. And, um, you know, Sutter came and broke through the door. Oh. And wow. I guess when he came through the door. He grabbed the sword. He grabbed the sword. and I um, see. But uh, the, uh, the attorney – says there simply aren't any facts for a crime. It is a self-defense case. And uh, it's been a self-defense case. You have an individual here that was the victim of a beating in the kitchen area before he went to the bedroom, closed and locked the door in order to secure himself from continuing. Sounds like violence. he tried to get away, s- yep. so to speak. So you that, know. that didn't sound a lot like a Power Ranger script writer because I didn't hear, hear any like, no, no, you didn't. Or but, any bad lip syncing with we the added, character. Uh, can't yeah. hear the head movement. Exactly. Sorry, <laughs> 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 you have You can add that. You can add that in there. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, Sean, I've got great news for you. I'm trying to find good news for everybody on the team today. Okay. The good news for you, just because you celebrated your semi-centennial. Yes. Uh, I, found that, uh, I found that the oldest living land creature oh, thank you. is 183 years. At least wow. you didn't say it was me. <laughs> And it's not you, mm-hmm. but so it's got, it's easily got a good 133 years on you. Guess what it is, by the way? It's a lichen moss or something. No, it's a turtle. Oh. A tortoise. <laughs> a tortoise. His wrinkly skin, cataracts, and difficulty swallowing are common enough in old age. This guy is 183 years old. He was born in 1832. Jeez. Cool. There is a turtle walking around. He is. So he he's the pre-Civil War. Yeah. Wow. Born in 1832. Uh, out, listen to this. He plotted through two world wars and numerous revolutions, outlasting all his human companions. Where does he live? He lives uh, 
by the way, this is interesting. Uh, he lives in St. Helena, a tiny island in the South Atlantic. Okay. He, uh, it's a British territory, by the way. And he, you know. He's, so he, he speaks with an accent. He speaks with an accent. He's very slow. Has he raced many rabbits? No. Okay. But he, you know. Just checking. He would win. He I would wonder win. what the life expectancy is. Like, how much longer does he got? Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you do when you're 183? I mean, at what point are you like, eh, I'm not going to get up today? <laughs> I mean, would you just not give up? Well, I guess it's a turtle. He doesn't know better. You can't give up. You can't give up. Hey, we got a great show for you today. Uh, coming up, um, Dr. Paul Jenkins is going to be with us, one of our great uh, friends of the show, great contributor. He's going to help us uh, kind of figure out a, 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 and understand how to handle a story, I'm going to tell you when we come back, about the problems with teen internet addiction, video gaming addiction. It's a problem. Maybe we can redirect our the minds of our children's the heart as well, their hearts as well. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More when we come back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. If I could turn back time, I'd go back to the days of Sonny and Cher when life was easy. And, you know, all you had to do is just grow your hair out long like Cher. Brush it thousands of times. I'd get rid of the Internet because it's killing people. It's actually maiming them. Would you perform for all the sailors that she performed for in the video? Never, never. Just checking. No, I wouldn't, but I appreciate the idea. Uh, here's the deal. So I found a story that um, I, I want some help on, and we've brought in a great expert. Let me tell the story, then I'll introduce the expert, because the story, it's very, uh, it's very concerning. A Chinese teenager chops his hand off to cure his Internet addiction, right? Cuts it off. And uh, basically the story is this boy uh, – he could not get rid of his addiction, and he was a web junkie. And at 19 years old, uh, he basically leaves in the middle of the night, uh, leaves a note for his mother, and says, "You know, if you find, I, I've gone to the hospital. I'll be back from the hospital." And the mom goes into his room, finds the note, and basically the note says, "Mom, I've gone to the hospital for a while. Don't worry, I will definitely come back this evening." The 19-year-old boy then went to, like, some park, sat on a park bench. Uh, he had t- taken the kitchen knife from their home, snuck it out, and safely out of sight, the teenager severed his left hand at the wrist. He then called a taxi to take him to the nearby hospital, and he left his hand lying on the ground. Okay? It's pretty graphic. Surgeons, by the way, at the hospital, uh, they recovered the, the hand and the surgeons put the hand back on um, and they reattached it. And they're not sure that he'll be able to get full mobility again, which, mm. I mean, interestingly, I'm not sure he'll care because that was his goal. Well, he, yeah. He, he might later. In the first place. 
But this this addiction is is a big deal. And now, obviously, not every kid is out there doing that. But there's 24 million Chinese teenagers that they say are addicted to online gaming. In China, there's 600 and something million uh, user internet users. What's the number? 649 million internet users, and they believe about 14 percent of the country's youth are now hooked on this on the internet and the media use. And so they're even having now in Asia and all through Asia fasting camps, what they call fasting camps, which is you know government's response to these hundreds of thousands of teenagers that are not dealing with the real world and are and are just choosing the virtual world where they basically take them to a boot camp and they make them fast from technology uh the whole idea of this though is to help them stop just like i guess preventing you know smoking drinking stuff like that so okay hmm. one of the problems they also say is going on in uh china especially these kids are bored and I know one of the big indicators of of addiction, like porn addiction and a lot of internet addiction, is boredom and anxiety, mm-hmm. stress and anxiety. So we've asked a great expert to come uh, be here with us. Dr. Paul Jenkins is here. You, we call him PJ. We call we have a lot of like great names for him, but you you could just call him Dr. Paul. And if you go to his website, drpauljenkins.com. He he does it all. He's he's a coach. He works with executives as well. He has has a had a full on clinical practice, PhD clinical psychologist for years. Mm-hmm. He now does a lot of coaching. Um, by the way, has an incredible wife that puts up with him. She's amazing, patiently. And uh, and what is it? Four children, four kids, four wonderful children, and one grandchild now, and one grandchild, and none mm-hmm. of them have cut their hands off. To this date, they have not. So, PJ, Paul, Dr. P, what – okay, what do we do? It's one thing – I mean, they're addicted, but how on earth do we take our mm. children that aren't maybe that far gone and how do we re how do we, how do we put life back into them instead of just getting them caught up into all this technology? Mm. I was thinking about this all the way over here yeah. today. Um. What a tragic story. Yeah. I mean, first of all, let's just acknowledge that element and how desperate this young man must have felt. I mean, think of that. He must have been – and there's no other option. Got to take the hand off. It's a trap. Yeah. And any form of addiction is. There are two elements to it that I think are important to understand, and one of those is a chemical element. Okay. So part of the addiction is the chemistry. Yes. Okay. A big part of it actually and I, this is true, Matt, whether whether a person is addicted to alcohol or other drugs, yeah. uh, pornography, um, video games. What is the common element with all of these? It's a chemical element. So we always think it's about the game or we think it's about the pornography. We think it's about mm. the act, but you're saying it's more about the chemistry. Right, because – Engaging in those activities changes your brain chemistry, hmm. which is your body chemistry. Right. So there, there are different chemicals. We talk about hormones, neurotransmitters, different chemicals that flow through your bloodstream and affect every element of your body. Uh, and your brain is part of your body. Yeah. See, people get disconnected from that sometimes. Is this in my brain or is it? 
Yeah, where is the chemical thing? Well, that's what people think. Like when you think of a porn addiction, Mm -hmm. we always think it's it's in their loins or Mm. it's in their dirty mind. Yeah, but you're saying it's it's truly brain. It's It's, brain chemistry. Yes, in fact, it's it's really more of a substance abuse problem than most people would realize. Are are they medicating something else, or is has their body just naturally learned? That this feels good. Well, let's look at the common elements between all addictions. Uh, the common element is a change in mood. Yeah. Oh, that's true, huh? Okay. So you think about that. It's, just, it's, either it's, it's an upper or it's to, a downer. To increase my mood and give me that high, yeah. or it's to dampen or or dull some pain. And, and that's the common element. So the mood change is always associated with a chemical shift in the body. You bet. So the chemicals that are released when someone engages in those activities create the desired mood change. And that's the addictive part of it. What they're really after is the up or the mood change or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, I guess, the drug is that is going to alter the state. Yeah. So and, and in that way, it becomes an avoidance of the other elements of their life that are causing them pain or discomfort or mm. discontent. I mean, so I'm assuming if you're spending hours and hours on the Internet or playing video games, you're not doing other things that might produce a different feeling of success, of progress, mm-hmm. of growth. So you're kind of saying then they're, they're – they're, because they're not doing that, that causes some pain. Mm-hmm. And then they fill it up with this chemistry. Right. Isn't that weird? But internet? I mean, well, you know, our parents used to say, if you watch too much TV, your brain's going to get soft. And but there's something to your it. brain because we were probably that's how we probably medicated was technology like games and that video games barely yeah. came out when we were young. I mean, well, medicated probably a more familiar concept to most of our listeners would be avoidance. Yeah, that's how we would avoid. Yeah, watch a lot of TV. And you made a good point because if you are eagerly engaged in meaningful activities, in purpose-driven activities, there is not a need to avoid right. your life anymore. Now, there's some scary things about that. but so, so the two parts that I mentioned earlier, we've talked a little bit about the chemical part. Yeah. And we can't ignore that. No. There is absolutely a chemical piece involved. And then there's the psychological piece. And this part gets more to, you mentioned boredom, for example. There's an acronym that I share with my clients, BLASTED. BLASTED. When they get BLASTED. So BLAST is an acronym for bored, lonely, angry, stressed, and tired. Hmm. Bored, lonely, angry, stressed, and tired. This is when people are at a higher risk for addictive behavior. Oh, that's interesting. So if, if we see our children are bored... Lonely, mm-hmm. ostracized from others, mm-hmm. angry, stressed, or tired. They're, mm-hmm. They may be e- either in the throes of addiction or the at potential the, to enter. At in. the very best, they're at risk. Yeah, they're at risk. So acknowledging that, what do we address? Do we address video games specifically or do we address the, the trigger to it, which is being blasted? Oh, see, that's great because – you know, everyone will just jump on. This is the next bandwagon, mm-hmm. right? So then we and we jump on the drug bandwagon, and we jump on now pot spreading all over the country, and 
So now the pot yeah. bandwagon. But the reality is, is people are just bored, lonely, angry, stressed, tired, triggers, and looking for some remedy for that. Yeah. The problem with addiction, one of the problems that I see is that most of the addictive behaviors or substances are very fast acting. Oh, yeah. They hit your system quickly. So if I, if I get engaged in a video game, I am totally checked out from everything else in that moment. It happens fast. It's true. To apply some of the more longer lasting, more enduring remedies mm-hmm. takes some time, takes some effort. Yeah, we don't want that. And it's the effort we're trying to avoid in the moment. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So we're kind of set up for uh, some natural challenges here as we take it on. And this is just, this this isn't new. Oh, no. But this is just the new The new thing, whatever it is, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. That's why it doesn't make sense to have a... A war on video games, for example, yeah. a war on pornography, a war on drugs, because whatever it is that we declare war on yeah. can be easily be replaced by a plethora of other. Yeah, a party on belonging yeah. and getting everybody together and helping people be less bored and more active and creating meaning and purpose in life. Yeah, that's what we got to get to, because. Again, like you said, that just the sad nature of a boy that a 19-year-old, a young man that thinks the only way out of this addiction is it's not purpose, mm-hmm. it's not mission, it's not values per se, it's got to get rid of the hand. What can he give himself that is more compelling than that video game? Yeah. See, that's an intriguing question to me. That's what we got to get to. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Again, we're talking with Dr. Paul Jenkins from the website, drpauljenkins.com. Uh, really, go check it out. He's got great uh, a, a book. Uh, how do we call it? Uh, Pathological Positivity. Yeah. Pathological Positivity, which is what we need, which is going to feed us so we don't have to go do <laughs> to the negative drugs. Alternatives. That's right. Dr. Paul Jenkins, more with him right here on the Matt Townsend Show after this break. that right, Cheryl. Cheryl Crow, all I want to do is have some fun. And she's got a feeling, James, that she's not the only one. Hey, you know the weirdest thing today, Dr. Paul Jenkins is joining us from the website drpauljenkins.com. And uh, I walk up, I snuck up on James today. Did you? And I looked at his computer screen. Guess what was on there? <laughs> He's getting nervous now. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know, it's scary. I mean, like, all of a sudden you're talking about somebody's internet use. Yeah. Wedding sites. Wedding planning sites. See, that's another form of addiction oh, that is totally. sweeping the nation. This guy is so addicted. <laughs> He's, like, getting all the bridal magazines. Yeah. yeah. He goes to all the bridal shows. All the expos. I'm all there. the expos. He's yep. choosing his... Uh, what do they call it? Your silver? What do they call it? Like your plates and your settings and cutlery. Uh, yeah, he is he's, a matrimonial junkie. It's is. his registry. Yeah, he's yeah he's registered. Yep. He, in fact, he registered at uh, at um, Shields, the great sports store. Perfect. Yep. And I don't know Walmart, Target. Yeah, all the all the usual places. All the big places. Yeah. So uh, the, the bumper music actually suggested something, Matt. 
You want to have some fun. You got to have some fun. Why now? So again, Paul, Dr. Paul Jenkins is talking to us about addictive behavior, and this all comes from the story of the boy that cuts his hand off mm. because he wants to no longer have the internet addiction. So they've re- now interestingly they've reattached the hand, and yet he still has the addiction. And all he wants to do is have some fun. Well, the addiction wasn't in his hand. No. You can't. And then he'd have to cut his head off. But let's not let that out. Uh, See, if people start to know it's in their head. You know what, though? There's a tragic trend toward increasing numbers of suicides. That's that's huge right now, isn't it? And it's the same problem. I don't think they're unrelated. No. I'm not saying video games specifically. I'm just saying a pattern of, uh, of loss of meaning in life and and lacking that purpose that yeah. drives us forward in productive activities. Well, boredom, you said, you call it blast, five signs that, you know, somebody needs, somebody's going to go looking somebody's for Somebody's at risk yeah. now. Boredom, loneliness, anger, uh, stress, and tired. Yeah. I mean, exhaustion. And that's, you know, that just feels like Monday. <laughs> Does it feel like, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, you know, dear listener, as yeah. you're, as you're checking in that, you know, does that sound anything like your life? I mean, and it's a lot of people's lives. We just yeah. feel like a bunch of robots that we don't have purpose. We don't have drive. So one of the things you're telling us is part of this is chemistry. A lot mm-hmm. of it's psychological. And what we lack maybe is something else that's as attractive to us as the alternative drug, as the drug we're using. Yeah. Attractive, compelling, engaging. Mm. What is it that gets your engines going? Yeah. And as you're sitting there feeling bored, lonely, angry, stressed, or tired, what calls to you? Just anything. Is it your favorite addiction? It probably yeah, is. It is. And, and it could be just, oh, I got to get to Netflix. Yeah. I got to watch Netflix. Or a quart of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, in fact, um, there's a really interesting story I just found about binge watching. It's the same thing. It's the same thing we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Binge watching of Netflix. So check this out. Binge watching of TV is linked to depression and more loneliness. Yeah. So all of a sudden I want to get on Netflix to watch multiple episodes where I sit down and I go watch 12 hours of one show, mm-hmm. every episode they've done for a year or whatever. And weirdly, it actually increases my own loneliness. It's also mm-hmm. linked to binge watching. is also linked to self-control issues, fatigue, obesity. I mean it's – it just it doesn't it doesn't ever give us what we really need. It doesn't take us out right. of loneliness. It just it, medicates it. it. It's it's an illusion that we're chasing. It's it's kind of like the horizon. Yeah, not attainable. It's something that that we perceive out there, but it's always can't really grasp. It's always it. out of our grasp. And look at some of the other ways that this invades our culture: devices. Oh, yeah. Okay, these handheld devices, the smartphones, the tablets. They're everywhere. They follow us everywhere. And it used to be that if you wanted to watch a show or play a video game, you had to sit out at the computer. Yeah. Out, wherever yeah, that, yeah. Now it just goes with you. You got How many people have them in bed? That, and, and now all of a sudden the sleep issues that are coming because we're turning on this blue light that keeps – that messes up our serotonin. And yet it's so subtle, but again, an entire country, 650 or whatever million people in China that, mm-hmm. are, that are using these devices, 14% of them, they believe, are addicted, mm-hmm. the youth, right. to this pattern, this process. So what should we start to do about it? 
What do we do to fill up that void? So, Matt, you're a parent. Yeah. And and I'm a parent. And as I think about my kids, that's my first responsibility. That's the first um, line of defense is the parent. I have I have no confidence at all that I can go out there and change the video game industry. No. And that's not the answer well, anyway. Or the phone industry or the computer industry or the internet industry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So or the it, entertainment industry. It is what it is. It's going to keep rolling forward. And it is consumer driven, however. You bet. You bet. So let's check in with that. You know, should we wage a war against this stuff or should we monitor our own consumption of it? That's right. And parents, I think, become somewhat detached at times with our busy lives. Yeah. We get out there doing our own thing. And where is the connection with our kids? I think it starts with relationships. Yeah. And, and if you're tight with your kids, you know if they're starting to feel bored, lonely, angry. Mm-hmm. stressed and tired. You can see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the signs. You should see that. I don't want parents out there to start feeling guilty. Yeah. But I do want to send a little wake-up call. Are we connecting the way that we could or or maybe should be doing? Because it seems like, and no, we don't know the situation with the, the boy in China that cut his hand off, but right. it seems like they should be able to go to their parents Mm-hmm. Right. And ask, so is there another way than cutting my hand off to solve this addiction? <laughs> or it seems like the parent would have seen excessive behavior. That this was right. And so part of that, I guess, is all of us as parents need to be looking for those signs. So asking yourself questions, if you are a parent, asking yourself questions about what's going on in my child's life right now. Yeah. Who are his friends, what is going on for him in school? How is he feeling about things? If if you don't have a pretty quick answer to these questions, if you're not sure, then probably it's time to do some connecting work. Yeah, we got to engage, don't we? Engage and, and spend some quality time there, not just to check it off, but because I think the relationship is is the starting point for any kind of an intervention. Yeah, I think you're right. And and sometimes this is coming from years, patterns of mom's working, dad's working, kids old enough that he doesn't really need a babysitter, um, leave him home, leave him home alone, leave him home, or turn on the TV to babysit the kid yeah. while you go do something. I think it's Barney, and I think all of us have done this. <laughs> yeah, we all at have. different times, but. If that becomes the primary mode of interaction, then we're training our kids up in a way that that makes them at a higher risk anyway. Well, and then maybe too, your if your tendency is to just kind of ignore it, mm-hmm. you're also not modeling coping skills and and the ability to handle these. Things. I mean, mm-hmm. boredom, loneliness, anger, stress, and, and tired; those are all pretty core core to life. It's going to happen. So we probably need coping skills to exactly. manage that. And parents have to model it. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, a lot of parents use the exact same technique to mod- to to deal with those issues like, you know, right. exo- you know, watching a lot of TV, withdrawing, pulling away, internet media use, whatever. So there's some really practical things that we can do. Mm. I think it starts with with the relationship like I yeah. said, but let's take care of the equipment as well. Uh, Dr. Ed Hallowell at Harvard proposed 
a process that he calls brain maintenance. Huh. Uh, really basic stuff. It's like when you do maintenance for your car. These are the simple things that you can do that will avoid the costly repairs later on. Uh, I'm thinking of this reattaching a hand as a pretty yeah. costly repair. It is. Um, so brain maintenance includes sleep, exercise, diet, prayer, and meditation. Mm. Okay, those four elements, sleep, exercise, diet, prayer, and meditation. These are the basics that have to be in place, and we're talking about the chemical side of things yeah, right now. Yeah, that's so. If, yeah, if, 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 it, if you just could do that, mm-hmm. you'd probably fix half the problem. That will go a long way. Yeah. So look at your own life. You know, Do you have a regular exercise program? And this is something that people revisit yeah. every every January. Every January. And then they they forget about it every January. Somehow let it go. Fifth. You know what? A little acknowledgement here would probably be appropriate. Default is always downhill. It's true. And my clients always ask me, why is it so hard to stay positive? Why is it so easy to get negative yeah. about things? Same thing about exercise. Why is it so hard to, to implement an exercise program? It's so easy to sit on the hill. couch. Yeah, oh, because well, default is downhill. Elevation requires effort. It's true. Light requires power. Darkness doesn't. Mm-mm. So just get in your head that, yeah, it's hard. That probably means you're on the right track. Yeah, if it's, it's hard, not a bad sign. Well, it's like telling you, if, if the food isn't always the sweetest taste, mm-hmm. you're probably on the right track. <laughs> right. You know, you're probably getting closer. Well, a similar similar issue. And this is something we can create in our families as a culture. Yeah. Uh, I have a young man, 11 years old, I'm working with right now, who just got a really important life principle. What? I asked him to sum it up yesterday. Yeah. I said, what have you learned? He said, hard, easy, instead of easy, hard. Oh, that's great. Take it in that order. Do the hard thing now. It creates an easier life. Yeah. If you default to the easy thing right now, probably you're creating a harder life as a result. That is such great. What a great lesson. You see how that relates yeah. to addiction? Yeah. The heart is finding your purpose, your mission, your passion, mm-hmm. but it makes life a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Versus the opposite where you're not going to know it. It's easy to just sit there, play the video game, and then you'll have the harder game later. Right. Ah! I'm talking with Dr. Paul Jenkins. Uh, again, go to his website, drpauljenkins.com. We're going to come back. He's going to teach us about, I think, a little bit more about the passion, the purpose. How do we reconnect or connect our children to a deeper meaning in life? Good stuff. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been talking about, you know, the the addictive pull that the Internet, um, video games, really anything can become addictive. Dr. Paul Jenkins is with us here teaching us that maybe what we need to be doing is uh, not necessarily treating and chasing and creating a war on the drugs and the video games and all of these other things, maybe what we ought to be focusing on are some of the root causes of of, a, of addiction or or things that might put us in potential jeopardy of be of becoming addicted to something. Our boredom, loneliness, anger, stress, being tired, not getting enough sleep. 
who's been teaching us, uh, those, that's something to pay attention to. And so as you're out there in listener land, how, do you, how are you doing in those areas? Dr. Paul Jenkins, thanks again for being with us. That's a pleasure, Matt, as always. Hey, remember when you get up from these chairs to watch your pockets. Yeah, you saw me just feeling I anxious. I was like, that, I huh? saw that, and I'm like... We had an incident here on an earlier episode. Yeah, it was bad. You lost your pants. How do you know that's bad? Well, because anytime a guy walks out of my studio without their pants, <laughs> his Paul's uh, pocket got hooked on a chair, and and then they ripped ripped your pants. Yep, and they were unfixable. But Some things in life are. Isn't that the truth? You know. So you want to <laughs> see how it all ties right it, back, and it life. always does. There, every choice has a consequence. The way you sat coming uh-huh. to the show that day. Uh huh. You didn't know when you came to the show you'd lose your pants. Right. Boom. But you know what, Matt? That's not the most memorable thing for me about being here. Oh, really? No. What was That's that? just a fun story. That's a great story. And half the time, that's the key. So you just, you just went all positive. So It's like oh, you've written a book on that. I know, right? Yeah. This is the psychological part because our perception is everything. It's all we've got. Yeah. And part of the intervention here involves first working on our own perception and then branching out from there to our family, helping our kids with that, and moving on to other people that we have contact and touch with. So the idea is get yours healthy, Mm -hmm. then influence those closest to you, Mm -hmm. and then just broaden your circle. Yeah, the ripple effect. Start influencing the world. Take it on. What? How do we change the perception, though? I mean, like even sadly, that boy uh, in China that we've been talking about, his perception was pretty doomed. He was doomed. Mm-hmm. He ended up cutting his hand off because he didn't see another way out of it. Mm-hmm. So it seems like once we get further down the spiral, it gets darker. It gets harder to have perspective. How do we change a perception or our perspective on life. It gets overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, as obviously it was a very desperate situation for this young man. I think in terms of perspective, if we look at it as a series of small steps, it's not nearly as overwhelming. Yeah. So think about what time it is right now. And then ask yourself, is six o'clock coming? Yeah. You know, whatever the next six o'clock is. It's coming. It's coming. (laughs) You pretty sure? Yeah. And how sure are you that you'll be around for six o'clock? I'm hoping. Pretty sure. (laughs) I mean, maybe not as sure, but so six o'clock is coming. You're probably going to be around for it. Now, I used to think that there were three options, but I've eliminated one. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I used to think that maybe things would be exactly the same at 6 o'clock as they are right now. Oh, interesting. I don't think that's possible. Oh, yeah. It's going to be different. I, at the very least, I'll be more tired, yeah. more hungry, You'll whatever, older. right? Older, yeah. for sure. Taller. So things are not going to be exactly the same. That right. leaves two options. Uh-oh. Change. Either it's going to be better or yeah. worse. it's going to be worse than it is right now. Can you think of any <sighs> other options? No. So if it's going to be better or worse, and then do a little a little mental experiment with this. What could I do? What could I possibly do to make sure that things are just a little worse at 6 o'clock? Oh, there's a lot. You could do <laughs> a lot. 
<laughs> Matt, it scares me how fast the lights came on with that. Well, there's like, I could do 500 things to make it worse. Right. And it wouldn't right. take until six either, no, would no, it? No, so interesting yeah, that our mind great... can come up with all of that, but yeah. you can see where we're going. Exactly. What can I possibly do to make sure that things are just a little better at six o'clock? Now, yeah. a lot better is an option too, but I'm just saying just a little better. Yeah. Just a little better. And if we could have had an intervention with this young man and have this conversation with him, hey, six o'clock's coming. You don't have to save the whole world, and we're not talking about next week or next month or next year. Yeah. Just six o'clock. What can you do between now and six that would make things just a little better for you? See, and that is, that's such a profound idea. If you could have gotten a moment with that boy, had a moment where you talk and mm-hmm. ask a simple question and taught him that idea, he could think of something. And if you're a parent, are the conversations happening? That's what. That's the key, huh? We've got to be noticing it and then having those conversations. Having the conversations and engaging at a level that allows us to really connect with a person on a real basis. Not a virtual yeah. reality, but in, in real life. How is this person feeling? And even if they don't say anything, and sometimes your teen won't. Yeah. No, Have no. you noticed that? Yeah, totally. They'll just blow you off completely. Yeah. Their favorite answer is, mm, go to your room. That's it. I've had it. Yeah. <laughs> but you can perceive how they're doing even in their non-answer. Right. If you're tuning in. Yeah. I mean, that's – and that's nothing really. I mean, that's just the parent being present for one moment, asking a question, being there. Mm-hmm. But, no, but notice too, that's uphill. So to, it's easy to go downhill with 600 ideas at 6 o'clock. Oh, yeah. It's, it's harder sometimes to find that one idea. And it's, it's easier to put it off, too, yeah. to say, oh, I'm too tired yeah. right or now. Or that won't work. I mean, it'll work once, but I can't, I won't, that won't work at 7 o'clock. So remember, we're not talking about huge, earth-shattering no, changes. One thing. Just one thing. I, I got a call once from a client, uh, an executive who was doing a training in another state, and he was... Just holed up in his hotel room. Couldn't move. Oh, paralyzed really? with depression. Oh, no. He calls me up and I say, I go through this routine with him. Yeah. You know, what can you do to make it a little better? He couldn't come up with any ideas. I said, tell you what, just put something on because he's in there in his PJs. Put something on. Go down to the hotel lobby. There's someone there who needs your help. Really? Yeah. And I didn't know who was in his hotel lobby, yeah. right? But is there someone in the hotel lobby who Probably. could use his sure. help? Yeah, yeah. Even, if there's a human being there, yeah, they could use something. He went down and and uh, made a difference for someone. It just held the door That's while it. they were getting their luggage. This is all, and he felt better. Not weird, yeah. A little better, yeah. But he had to get dressed and go down, and so now we're going in the right direction. That's and it. then from there, okay, well, seven o'clock's coming. <laughs> That's right, right? Yeah, or, or six oh one. We teach this in our addiction interventions. That yeah. Uh, it's today. It's now. Take on this moment. That's huge. And ask yourself that question. What could I possibly do that would make things a little better right now? It's it's such a simple question. And really, as a parent, that's, I guess, the job is let's be that guide. Mm-hmm. Let's be there at those cross, you know, those crossroads of their life and be there to ask that question or like you did to coach the person. There's somebody that needs you right now. Absolutely. And they're within reach. Again, that's not big. They may be in your own home. They may be right outside of your door. Go find somebody. What do we do for the listener out there that's like, oh, see, 
I'm such a bad parent. <laughs> and they take this advice and they kind of get in their ego, their mind on it or whatever, and they just start, you know, spinning again. Okay, so let's reinterpret that for a minute. If you're feeling that feeling, it means that you care deeply about your role as a parent. Yeah. Congratulations, that puts you above the curve. Yeah, you're a profound, you caring, are a good giving parent person. because good. you care. Yeah, and I don't care if you've made mistakes in the past; your future is spotless. Yeah, flawless. And six o'clock is coming, and it's going to be better. Or it's going to so be worse. True. Pick one. So true. Pick one. We don't need to beat ourselves up for what we've already done. Just learn from it. it. Move on. Just learn from it. Notice that you care. That's a good sign. Yeah. All that energy shows you care. And then move forward. See, but look how quickly you could take the negative and just flip it to its obvious positive. The obvious positive is you care or Mm -hmm. you wouldn't go that deep. Right. Into anguish. You would have turned this show off by now. Oh, that's right. If you didn't care. That's right. You'd just be done. And then how would you know how to make things better by six? That's so cool. Is that from your pathological positivity? You know, the book goes into the whole philosophy behind how to take any circumstance in life, any situation, and find the positive in it. So good. Which is so important, Matt, because that turns on the energy for what's coming. And you, like you said earlier, the light needs energy. Yeah. So if you don't have the energy, you're going to not have the light, and then you'll just fall into the dark. Well, think about it. If you're feeling all negative and depressed and inadequate, how likely are you to go do something positive? Nothing. You know what? Your video game. You're more likely to make a bigger mess, right? Always. Yeah. So So positivity is all about getting your mind in a position where you can turn on the power to go create something even better. And we, we probably, I'm assuming, need to do that. I don't know, thousand times a day. It takes some practice. And whatever you practice, you get better at. Yeah. Wow. I even call my daily activities a practice. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> You're just practicing. I'm just practicing. That's good. And I get to share that with other people, and it's just an amazing spectator sport. Go check out his website. Dr. Paul Jenkins is his name. Again, on there, if you just go to his products, he's got products for um, anxiety. So if you if you're suffering from anxiety... Mm-hmm. Even bedwetting, which is James. I didn't even talk about that. Parental power, just great stuff. Uh, And then you have Live on Purpose Radio as well. Yes. Where you have been a guest. I've been a guest. Go check it out. Dr. Paul Jenkins. Paul, thanks for being here. I think you've... uh, It's my pleasure. You've positively impacted people. Well done. Perfect. (laughs) Another P. We're going to take a break, my friends. Come back. We're going to continue this discussion our entire second hour. More tools, more ideas. To help you see the good in the world, this is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. This is the second hour of the Fun Fest 2015. Hour B. Hour B. Welcome back to the program. Uh, great first hour. Learned a lot about how to, you know, how to see life from a, a healthier perspective. Just because you have. Uh, Habits or an addiction doesn't mean 
there's not hope. Ah, it's so hard. It's so hard when you get into some of the news stories that mm-hmm. uh, that come across the wire. In fact, let me let me give you one that uh, that that might make you feel like maybe life's not so bad, and maybe we just overplay everything. Did you hear about this Texas boy who was suspended for saying to another classmate that he could dis- that he could make the classmate disappear? Oh with yes. the Lord of the Rings sorcery. I heard about that. Now, Mike says this all the time. Now, Mike had to take over for James, who had a last-minute uh, marriage uh, wedding per- wedding uh, emergency. Right. Sure. Is that what happened? Yeah, he didn't give me full details, but it seemed very urgent. But he said something about how he needed to get to Target to do his registry Yeah. for he, the wedding. He had that little scanning thing in his yeah. hand. I, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, and he hasn't even made a formal announcement about he and McLaughlin. Uh, but we have a feeling they're going to get married soon. I mean, I don't want to let it out. engaged, but. maybe. Yeah, they're going to get married. That's the next step, kind of. You think? Yeah. Anyway. Since they're dating now. So he just ran out, grabbed his little scanner, mm-hmm. and was mumbling, must register, must register. <laughs> and then... I guess you just knew what to do, Mike. You just came on in and sat down and yep. took yeah. charge. You know, we had we'd made a contingency plan for this. Always, and yeah. Followed, in case, in case the plan. there was the register registering emergency. Hey, um, this Texas boy. This reminded me of James. <laughs> Told another classmate that he's going to make him disappear with his Lord of the Rings sorcery. So, if you just think of that, a nine-year-old boy says that out, you know, in the playground. Well, he and his family had just watched. The Hobbit. Yeah. Right? They just watched it. And And so he's just playing around with the movie. He's How old is he again? Five? Nine. nine. Oh, he's nine. Aiden Stewart is his name. Mm -hmm. And in a playful act of make-believe, he told a classmate he could make him disappear with a ring forged in the fictional Middle Earth's Mount Doom. And I thought he had a ring with him. Uh, He probably did. He he, he he brought a ring to school and, and basically told people, I can make you disappear with this. Yeah, he had just watched The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, kids, kid, every kid acts out a movie. Bilbo disappears in that movie yeah. by so, putting on a ring. Putting it on his head, I guess? No, he put it on his finger. Okay. Well, he was. About, he said, I'll put the ring on your head and make you disappear. Yep. I think as long as you're touching, well, no, it has to be on your finger, actually. Well, but technicality. It's magic. So uh, what, would, what, what do you think the teachers would do? Uh, well, oh, I, come on, Aiden. I read, I read the story. Yeah. Come on, you I, little that, That's what I punk. thought they would do? Yeah, no. Because, I mean, I okay, I drive carpool in the mornings, um, and I have a, there's a, a five-year-old that I take to, to school with my other – with my children. He's in another family. Is he a hobbit? And he – no. Okay. But he's – you know, he says things that are, you know, of that <laughs> age range. There. Yeah. yeah. And, and I – I, it's, yeah. I just dismiss it. It's it's not a big deal. I thought I was Luke Skywalker for about four years. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but I never had a lightsaber. I mean, that would have been crazy. I'm sure you pretended about but one. But back then, I, I could have taken a lightsaber to school, and I wouldn't have gotten in trouble. So you never picked up a stick and acted like it was a lightsaber? Well, yeah. Okay. But I would never, like, say, I'm going to cut you in half. Right. But Aiden was disciplined. He was suspended. Oh. You're kidding me. Now, by the way, honestly, who's going to suspend somebody with a magical ring from Middle Earth's Mount Doom? Were they able to find him? Because can he disappear with the yeah. ring? 
Yeah, they found him. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, the ring doesn't always work. Oh, so. I see. Anyway, he went home. He got in a lot of trouble. His parents are like, "This is crazy." Exactly. The, he loves that book. I mean, he he. I mean, oh. he loves that movie. He loves it. What do you want to do? Get off my back. I know. But uh, you know. The dad even said, hey, when I was a kid, I watched Superman and I went outside and tried to fly. I under- my my daughters tried to do – in fact, my wife stopped them. They had the umbrellas in the backyard trying to be Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how'd that go? Exactly. Well, my wife stopped them before that's, they that's good. Yeah. before they jumped. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, what, but again, so we're probably overreacting. Now, the hard part about that is, is – so on the show today, one boy, 19, cuts his hand off because he's addicted – to video this, games. To video games. This other boy is so into the pop culture, actually, historically, wonderfully powerful literature, The Hobbit. Fantasy. And he now is suspended. Is suspended. Jeez. So what can't we do? It's like crazy. So here I found another story. We talked about like excessive anything and being addicted to anything. Yes. What, what do you think happens when when you jog too much? You get dehydrated? Death. No. You die. Oh. You die. That much, huh? Sorry to bring it up. Jesus. But the latest research shows- How much shows are we jogging? You can't. Binge jogging is going to kill you three times a week. <laughs> Wait a minute. Binge jogging? Yep. So if you go jogging this, too much- Is this like doing a Ragnar kind of thing? Yep. Really? If you do Ragnars, if you do Iron Man, it decreases your life expectancy. Too wow. much of a bad thing, uh, too much of anything is really not good. The long-term study found that slow joggers had the lowest rates of death. Now, by the way, this isn't death by automobile because then you'd want to be a fast jogger. <laughs> exactly. But if you, if you run slow, you, have to, you can't be a, like a big, fast runner that runs every day. Okay. It's going to kill you. Light jogging, they call it, is healthier and safer than intensive exercise. That's what the scientists have found. Does it give actual numbers? It does. A study that uh, shows that jogging three times a week is best for between 20 and 48 minutes each time. Wow. Uh, okay. Do you remember, the, do you remember the, the book that was written out in the 70s that kind of started the entire jogging? Yes. You know, That was fad. written by Forrest Gump, right? Uh, actually, it was written by Jim Fix, <laughs> okay. another guy. But Jim Fix uh, wrote that 1977 bestseller, got everybody hooked on jogging, and yeah. then he died. I know. Of a massive heart attack. That's correct. At like the age of 52. Hmm. And since then, they've been researching it. They find the Danish scientists have found that from one to two and a half hours per week was associated with the lowest mortality. So if you're running less, more than 2.4 hours a week, it's not optimal for your health. I wonder if this is what happens to some of those athletes, besides runners, but athletes like um, there was the, the college Oh, that are passing who, out on that, no he he they're dying on the field dying the on the court yeah exactly but see some of them have heart disorders yeah I understand but, yeah. that but maybe maybe they're out working too much so notice or bin, working out we learned too much. that binge Netflixing that sounds flicks Netflixing <laughs> it's a that's the new word yeah that's it's a verb bin, binge, binge watching net, no we're calling it bin, I want Netflixing <laughs> we can make up a word it's the Matt Townsend show uh, uh, okay get off my back. So Netflixing. Kind of a big deal. And uh, we could do that one. And um, also binge jogging. Neither of them are good for you. Okay. I'm going to bet binge anything. Well, binge jogging I've gotten taken care of. I'm not. 
<laughs> Let's just say we're not going to start that. Exactly. This is a study that the Danes put together. 1,098 healthy joggers were studied, and 413 healthy but sedentary non-joggers were studied over 12 years. Wow. So it's a great study. And the basic gist of it, more is not better. Three times a week, and you should know this, Mike, you were a track star. That's true. Up, yeah. in, up to the javelin accident. You were a superstar. Headed for, you know, the decathlon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You and Bruce Jenner headed to the decathlon. And then, you know, the javelin incident killed you. It just ruined my career. And, you know, now that you you bring it up, I would practice for about three to four hours every day. And every time they'd take my blood pressure, I would have really high blood pressure for no reason. Yeah. It's very interesting. After or before practice or – uh, just just on the weekend, you know. Really? Yeah. Just and it was very very interesting. When so, that really, really pretty nurse <laughs> was taking your yeah, maybe there was rate. other factors yeah. involved. Hey, uh, so uh, we're, I think we're sending weird messages to our kids, basically. Oh yes, there too are... much media, not good. Too too much uh, jogging, well, I, not good. I actually read the the story of the Texas boy who was suspended. Yeah. And this is not his first suspension at school. Yeah, he's got other issues. But well, but the other time he was suspended, it was because he brought a book called the yeah. Book of Knowledge to school, yeah. and the teacher found out that there's a picture of a pregnant lady in it. Yeah, like a, yeah. Now, some I don't know narrate, some yeah it was some illustration. But he was of suspended a, only because there was a yeah. picture of a pregnant lady. That's in it? ridiculous. We're up now. Now, if it's a picture of a pregnant lady without clothes on, sure. I can understand sure. that. But come on, yeah. But like anyway. I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I think we go too far with kids. I think we do. I, it makes you wonder if the kids are going to survive if we're the ones leading them. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's do this. Let's take a break. When we come back, we wanted to talk. Sean's got uh, some some interesting ideas to talk about with you know all these new college athletes. They're signing. Mm-hmm. It's signing day. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to also get to the coach's corner today, and then we're going to introduce a new a new area. I don't know what we're calling it because I, it's hard to find some of these sometimes. We're going to start honoring heroes, heroes of the day. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. More right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Nothing but a good time. That's why uh, we do this show. Every day, it feels like. Every day we do this show. I'm looking uh, into the eyes of Michael Pond, who's filling in for uh, James the Birdman Birdsall, who had an emergency wedding registry. (laughs) <laughs> he had to go uh, – he just ran out of the room, mumbling, get her done, must register. Oh, yeah. Remember that? He didn't even make eye contact no. with me. Well, it's so strange. You know, it does have to deal with his girlfriend and knives. So it's a good point. You know how James is about yeah. those two things. But yeah, you know what? True. We don't need James because we have Michael Pond. In the house. In the house. We haven't had Mike. Mike's been very busy. Doing radio things. I've been talking with my parole officer. I've been yes. busy. Yeah. Cool. I'm so great. That hearing went so well for yeah. you. I, it's, yeah. A huge weight has been lifted. Um, you feel better? Still can't touch javelins, but, sure. but I, feel, I feel great. And I think the neat thing is um, 
you know, there's no video. No. No, so, no, there wasn't any evidence. I mean, nothing they can prove. So I'm good to go. Javelin. He wasn't a Power Ranger, was he? No, he wasn't. <laughs> okay. But that's why we're talking on the show. We've been talking about a lot about boys, teenage, you know, kids, boys. We kind of we've taken James and Mike under under our arm, just kind of mm-hmm. brought you close. But Sean's got a worry. He's he's got a little issue. I'm concerned a little bit. What's, yeah. What are you worried about? It's not, I mean, it's well, signing day. These are I these guys are going to go day. pro. They're going to make a lot of money after, actually, they're probably going to make a lot of money in college. <laughs> oh, you wonder, don't I you? I know. I'm starting to seriously You, you start about. to wonder. But today is National Signing Day. And I, I understand. Explain what that means. Well, National Signing like, Day is the day that high school students will promise to go to a university they're committing. College. Yeah, they're committing to uh, their, that, whatever university of their choice to play football at that university. Um, there's the same thing for basketball. It comes yeah. it's at a different time of the year because the season you know, is a different time. But today is the day that they're doing that. But it's, it's – I mean you're seeing things all over the news – and and I and I'm I'm not trying to throw blame around. I'm I'm just wondering as as a whole, what are we doing with this? Mm. It just seems like we have a whole press conference. We have microphones lined up in front of people, and I even saw confetti. Oh, really? At one, like the Super Bowl? Uh, kind of, yes. So I understand celebrating a Super Bowl win, but you, know, you, you we're we're having a whole press event so that uh, a. A 17 or 18 year old person can say, "I'm going to this college." That worries you. It I does. Mean, it's like we're starting him too young, and then we see the Johnny Manziel kind of story. That's where I'm thinking it might yeah. start. I, well, mean, I mean, we do. We we deify these guys, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, I have a lot of clients that are they're college athletes, yes, and professional athletes that I work with in my practice, and a lot of them are messed up. Because a lot they've never been told no, right? They've never been told you got to necessarily you know earn it, work for it. Because a lot of for a lot of them, it's come very easy. Exactly. So you're concerned, I guess, that we now have a 17 year old boy having this big press event mm-hmm. to announce that he's going to go play college, which and is basically what you think we would do at the end of college that they're going to go pro. Well, I mean, that I mean, makes more sense at that stage. You're, you're already giving this person hype, yeah, at a, at a very young age f- to be hyped. You bet. For one thing, still, I mean, how how much research have we seen that says uh, a teenage brain is not fully developed? Yeah, for right. one thing. Oh yeah. I mean, we see ads all the time that talk about how they shouldn't drink because their brain isn't developed, and that right. could affect anything. I'm wondering if this. You know, do we are we starting a pattern at this age, and then they they yeah. keep playing? You know, through, they go through college, yeah. and they're and you know they get talked about by reporters. They're they getting get interviewed. Agents. Some of them are getting agents. You, well, you, actually, you cannot have an agent well, in college. That no, that no, is no, against no, the they're, rules. But they're getting. I guess what's the better word? Advised. Ad, well, advisors. Yes, uh-huh. it's. I guess it's not an agent. An agent. They just work for an agency and they then advise them. <laughs> but yes, you cannot actually sign with an agent. And, and well, if you if you decide you're going to leave college and go pro, yeah, yeah you yeah. you sign with an agent. Right. That's one of the steps, probably. So this worries you. I mean, I've seen it, uh, and I've had you know relatives or friends that had their kids do it, and yet some of it is 
you're doing it for the school. You're trying to hype up that, yay. I understand doing it for the school. You can have a press release. But we have to have a press conference. Yeah. I mean, you can tell. uh, So the university can say, oh, yes, we have this person who promised to come to our school. Mm -hmm. This person has signed. This person has signed. Why does it have to be done by the person and have such a big like today lead up to it and things today on sports nation they talked about all these signings yes and it's and, and i understand the fan wants to know well and you can also understand the university it makes sense to do it on the university level yes it I just think worries so. you when it's more it's just down in the school and well yeah the university gets to hype hey we've got this great player coming yeah. to play for us yeah i understand that you want to the university wants to sell tickets yeah, to the football you gotta sell the goods exactly but this is part of the confusion that maybe we just keep confusing the kids and what every story we've told in the last you know couple segments it's confusing to be a kid today it is but at at the same time we keep we keep showing these kids i mean we how many celebrity um commercial uh, sports celebrity commercials are there for drinks shoes cars watches who knows what oh yeah you have all of these sports figures who are celebrities yeah Basically, that's it. But their talent is they have sports. They're not actors necessarily. Some turn to acting. Yeah. Um, it reminds me, though, like what uh, we hear complaints that the young women, too, are they're dressing more provocatively. We're mm-hmm. kind of forcing more, you know, sexual, sexually promiscuous kind of looks and images that are right. now being hand down, handed down to high school girls. Mm-hmm. Even the costumes are becoming more sexualized. Oh, definitely. So. All of a sudden, this is just probably more of that. We're just making our our children become an, an adult well before they're ready. That's for exactly it. the point I was yeah. trying to make. Is where you you have all these athletes who make these commercials. They're already adults. Yeah. They're you know some of them. Yes, some of them are in their twenties. Some of them are twenty five. Some of them are in their early thirties. They're trying to live the heyday. They're trying to make as much money as they can before they have to retire. Because in sports, you're not going to retire at sixty five. Yeah. No. That's, it's going to be long before that. Right. You're going to blow something out. But we're, we're we're making these kids into adults way too early. I, and I realize they're 17, they're 18. They are reaching the age of majority, but I'm sorry. Yeah. How much ex- world experience do they have? None. And and it's already being forced upon them. And we talked about that with Dr. Paul. I think it's Paul. a societal thing. It is societal, and yet it's there's still the parental opportunity to there be is. there. There is. And so, I mean, I kind of like, I think it's neat, you know, generally when you when your boy gets to say he's going to college and everyone in the town loves him, I think that's fantastic. It's great. But I also don't know that we're necessarily training them up to understand what they're about to go into. Also, are you preparing them for the fall that could possibly oh, happen? Huge. Huge. You've got, you've got to have them ready for that. Yeah. Because if it happens, it, it, you, you may not be able to pick up the pieces. Well, especially if you're not connected and if you're not a part of it and if you're not in their life. I mean, and two, you don't just – I would never just assume the university is going to take care of them. No, you cannot assume that. I have close friends that their sons went away to the university mm-hmm. and the, you know, the job of those coaches was it was to fatten them up. It was to beef them up so they could play the line. Exactly. And then the minute they started blowing their knees out – They went to the next person in yep, line. And they just pulled the next one. Exactly. And then, uh, in fact, my son-in-law's – Chose in, he played college football and chose intentionally to get out. They wanted him back. They wanted him back. He wouldn't do it. It's not worth. I it. don't blame him. He wants to walk. What is that? But I'm wondering if that's kind of the thing that ends up happening with this guy who cut his hand yeah. off. 
Well, part of it, it might just simply because be— Because of video games. Well, and I think that's it, and it gets into it. <laughs> By the way, nothing's more intoxicating than sports. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're at that level, mm-hmm. and everybody's telling you you're incredible. Again, I've had other f- clients and people that have gone out, and had they were the biggest of the big, and they went to the university, and it— they blew up, and their oh, yes. entire life imploded, and the first people to drop them was the university mm-hmm. until they get their life back, and then the first person back is the university. You know, there's something that I do with my kids that, that I think, yes, sometimes I'm seen as a bad guy for doing it, yeah. but I have no problem presenting the negative side of something to my children. Yeah, I want them to think about it, to at least think there is this possibility that this could happen. Yeah. It's one of the interesting things. We've had Bronco Mendenhall on the show, Mm -hmm. and one of the things he drilled into our head is, you know what? It's backwards. And he knows it as the football coach of Brigham Young University. We've got it backwards. We've got to teach these kids honor and discipline and the principles and pay less homage to the wins and all of those other things. It's... But then it creates problems. It created problems for Bronco. You know, the fans oh, yeah. start getting mad because they don't, they're not winning enough. What are we doing to these people, my friends? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into the coach's corner. I want to talk about how we can build a stronger relationship with those boys. How do we as parents get our teenage boys to open up? How do we get them to share? We'll take a break. Back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Little Van Halen. Right now. That's what a lot of people want. I want it right now. Got to have it now. Got to have it. Got to have it now. Now, 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 now. So today uh, we've talked a lot about boys and, you know, motivating these young little characters, healthier, you know, creating healthier habits with them. Um, I, I wanted to talk about how you actually influence your child to be better, to do better. And um, Sean has been doing some research. Spare the rod, spoil the child? You're, yeah, spare the rod, spoil <laughs> the child. No. But it's more like maybe we ought to spare the razor. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. Spoil the child. You found a story I about a, a story dad, a barber. At- Atlanta, actually, is where mm-hmm. this is happening. And, well, even even better, this this barber in Atlanta is offering free haircuts. The barber is. It's a free haircut. Wow. Yeah. For any misbehaving kid... And he calls it the Benjamin Button Special. <laughs> so Benjamin Button aged in reverse. He did. He aged in reverse. So he was balding as he got smaller and looked. Yeah. He, yeah he, it was kind of weird. He was young but looked old. Yes. And then yes. he got. Yeah, he looked younger as he aged. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason it's called the Benjamin Button Special is because it makes the kid look like an old man. So, you, so he he actually will take you have you have a full head of hair. Yeah, he will shave the upper part and and leave the you know the like ball the ring yeah. around. So you have male pattern balding. <laughs> exactly, but he, he cuts it into that pattern. You should see the picture because it is it's it's like but it's it's shaved all the way around. But then it's, oh yes, but it's shaved to the skin. It's buzzed all around. Mm-hmm. Shaved to the skin in the middle of his head. It's 
It's Mel. It looks like a balding man. It yeah. looks like Captain Steubing from The Love Boat. It totally does. But your kid is like 10. <laughs> exactly. See, that's what we should do to this boy that tried to make the Texas kid disappear. We ought to <laughs> oh, send old little Aiden or whatever his name send was. Send him down to A1 yeah. Cuts in Atlanta. Get that oh, boy a haircut. You know, we need, James needs that. You, you don't <laughs> oh. just leave a show high and dry right Yeah, in the no middle. kidding. Hmm. So are you suggesting that's the way to do it? Why not? He did it actually to his own son. Well, honestly, this, this that's guy, probably the Russell, only one he'd be allowed to do it. Russell to. Frederick, owner of A1 Cuts outside of Atlanta, did it to his son. And <laughs> he's actually a father of three. Uh, but his son's grades fell off. Oh, Guess boy. what? His grades skyrocketed after the haircut. Oh, I bet. I was going to ask if it was effective. Well, it, plus he looked like was. an older man. He, he looked like an accountant. Yeah. So he's, he's offering those free haircuts to any uh, misbehaving kid. Well, you know, that's one way to do it. Okay. I mean, a, a lot of parents aren't going to just go get the Clippers. but You can't get the whole basketball team to come in. No. That's tough. You know, we we uh, I get to talk to parents all the time. They're like, I don't know how to get my boy to open up. And in the break, we were talking to Miguel, Michael Pond. Michael, track star. Uh, former. Former track star. Uh, now uh, felon. <laughs> Just kidding. He's not a felon. In fact, Mike's the one that made history on the show because we threw his name out to see who wanted to date Michael. That's right. And I think how many did we finally – how many about in- About 220. 220 people wanted to date our little Michael. And one of them took – well, you had already dated her. Yeah, but, but – she came back. She came back. And a little update on that. Yeah, things are going great, still dating, things need, are going strong. Do you need me to talk to her? Do you need me to, you know, Yeah, you know, question? she said it's, she'd be willing to come on the show. Maybe I'll, she'll come on someday. I'll pop oh, the there we go. I'll ask her for you. You need some encouragement, maybe? Yeah, that would be great. She's mm-hmm. cute. You guys are a cute couple. But you, does she know? So when you came to Brigham Young University, you were here to be a track star. Yeah, that was actually the one of the main reasons why I, I chose BYU. You were 205 pounds of just... Meat and muscle. Yeah, I uh, now I, now what are you by the way? <laughs> about one seventy. One seventy. Yeah. So I my track days are over. But then what happened? You were running. No, you were in a yeah. You were running. Yeah. Jumped into a a long jump pit. I uh, I was training just a few weeks. It was right when I got here, and uh, I was training to become a decathlete. And I landed in a long jump pit, and I herniated my L four and L five lumbar discs. Oh. And I I couldn't walk. It was so painful. You're away from um, home. You're at BYU. You're on the track team, right? You're yeah. on it, and you are just training to be the best you could be, and boom, you blow out your discs. Yeah. I actually – I was in my probation period yeah. to, to be on the to track get, team. To make the team. Um, I had been offered other at other schools opportunities, but BYU just seemed like the right fit for me. Yeah. And so I, I took that chance. How old were you? Eighteen. I was I I was eighteen at the time. Yeah. What happens to an eighteen year old boy when your dreams of being a decathlete are destroyed? You know what? It, it, they were shattered. I had yeah. no idea what to do with my life. I uh, that was what I had been planning on doing for you know seven years. So you're just you couldn't walk for two days. I'm assuming you just probably turned off. Yeah. Like I, I didn't go to class. Yeah, I, uh, I stopped talking to my family. 
Did you really turned just, off the family just for yeah. you know a, a short while? But I didn't I didn't know what to say to them. I didn't know what to say to my friends, and yep. I didn't know where to go for help. I uh, I was really depressed. And you know what? You were probably very normal, right? Because how many kids get to BYU or any college or university? And they don't have the skills, the tools, and their life falls apart. And they realize, I can't, I can't study. <laughs> I did that. When did I, you? My first semester at BYU, my grade point average was terrible. I went back home and, yeah, and common. gathered myself back together. I eventually graduated. Well. I did. <laughs> I mean, come on. It was 11 years later. Yeah, I mean, you were an adult. True. You had that haircut. That I wasn't married was. yet. But the reality is you've made it. Now look where yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. You still are here. I am. But I left and came oh, back. Okay, that's, that's true. You went and had a profession and then mm-hmm. came back to the greatest show on earth. Yeah. You said that hesitatingly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um, so here's one of the questions, and this is for all parents out there. How do you get your teenage boy when they're going through these experiences or to take it full circle back to that boy who was so devastated because of his Internet addiction that instead of talking to somebody, he went and just cut his hand off? I mean – That's pretty dramatic. So one of the things I wanted to talk about in the coach's corner is how we get a teenage boy to open up. And this it's a it's a different art form than just asking your daughter, what's wrong, honey? Because like when I ask my daughter, like any question like that, it's game on. She's got we're we're talking Mm -hmm. with the boys. A lot of times, like you said, son, what's going on? Nothing. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Mm, nothing, nothing, nothing. And there's a lot of reasons. So let me give you some tools. One of the tools that we should all be using with our our boys, and this a lot of this will work with the daughters as well, is we got to make sure we don't take their lead because they're not going to talk anyway. So if we don't talk because they don't talk, then we might miss other opportunities that are still there if we would just be there when they're there. That well, makes sense? It, it, I know you've always said it, that if you if you grab a ball – and yeah. you go out and you start just playing ball with that's them. It. That's, that's That's one of the great exactly. – one of the first rules is you distract them with action. That's also known as distraction. Oh, so, so, so if you've asked them what's going on and they just shut up and say, hey, are you busy right now? Yeah. Why don't we just well, – Let's go shoot. I want to go shoot, shoot, some, shoot hoops. some hoops. Yeah. A, they'll probably do it. And then you just start shooting hoops and that's activity. So most guys in general don't necessarily want to have conversation be the goal. So mm-hmm. if our goal isn't conversation, instead if our goal is just simply – playing ball, they don't even know we're talking. And if you keep them really active, you can talk to them while you're playing ball and get a lot of information out of them. And you're doing it while you're shooting free throws. You're doing it while you're going on a walk or playing you know, any sport or any activity or golfing. I mean, golfing is another great one because you can have a conversation until you get to your ball. I'm guessing football is kind of difficult because once your son yeah. tackles you and knocks the wind out of you, it's kind of hard to yeah. ask him a question after that. It's hard. And it's hard, too, if it, like javelin. It's harder. Yeah. Just because you're, you know, Distance. Yeah, you're so many feet away from each other. And, you know, it's dangerous. So one of the rules is we're going to distract them with action. Another rule is you've got to remember that um, you've got to think like a teenager, a teenager, especially a teenage boy. So – if they're ornery, if they're moody, if they're hungry, it's not a good time to talk. So get them out of their funk by feeding them, by doing stuff with them. It's the Snickers commercial. Yes, it is that Snickers commercial. Uh, although they did it with Marsha from the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Marsha, you, you get a little angry when you're hungry. <laughs> Give her a Snickers bar. There you go. And it changes them. 
a little food, a little sugar maybe. But remember how you used to think and remember uh, that your parents were weird to you. So it, you can't just assume the conversation is going to go like two adults having a conversation. It, it never does and it never will. And remember, too, don't take it personal if they're not opening up. It's not you. It's their age. It's, a, it's the role of the teenager. They're not just going to talk your ear off. But you can take the little things that they are saying. You can, you can also always reassure them that you love them and that you're there, even if they're not opening up and saying they need that. Mm-hmm. So you can always tell them and, and reassure. Um, another one, I, I wouldn't necessarily – Play by your rules as part of this. Play by their rules, which means don't ask a lot of questions. Nobody wants to be interrogated. You guys remember being interrogated by your parents? Sometimes, Where yes. were you? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? What did you say? I heard you say something. What did you? What's that dent in the car? Yeah. Who scratched the car? Don't act worried because the minute you come to me acting worried about me, Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to react to that, and then I feel like I have to fix your worry about me. Yeah. So if you bring me a lot of emotion, a lot of worry, that might overwhelm. Don't make us look at you. Look at me when I'm talking to you. It's hard enough to talk to you. Don't force me to have to look at you when I'm talking to you. Don't cry. I always joke that eye fluids only complicate the issue for young men. <laughs> Don't necessarily cry, and especially you that moms includes out eye there. drops. Eye drops, too. Moms, because they want to please you. They want to make you happy. They don't want to think that they're the source of your pain and you're so in pain that you need to cry. Now, I know that's hard to do, but try to not bring the fluids if you don't have to. Don't talk about our issues with others. Privacy to a teenager really matters. So they don't want to know you're out gabbing about it with everybody else in the neighborhood. Slow down the conversation, I might suggest. Uh, remember that the, the the processing skills of a teenage any teenager is not as fast maybe as an adult, so don't try to process it quickly, and don't uh, I I talk slower, talk calmer, watch your tone, watch your topic that you're bringing up, watch your timing. I I would say also you know especially if something comes out like uh, it, I like a girl, yeah, mom, don't don't do the oh. Tell me about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I know. If I want my kids to go to bed, I do bring up that. There you go. And then they're like, leave me alone. And they automatically (laughs) go to bed. Uh, Don't bring up our discussion later. So whatever I bring up with you, um, let's just let it end here and kind of die here. Let's bury it so that my ego doesn't need to keep being impacted. Even if you have some more advice you think might help or – Yeah, I I might bring up advice, but I might not bring up the conversation – like if I was really vulnerable with you, mm, okay, and I and we had that moment, a teenager might like to bury that, mm. and instead you can bring up what you learned. Hey, remember when we remember when we talked about that? I learned this. Here's another idea about that. I just throw it out just like that and walk away. Okay, like I'd almost just toss it on their bed and walk away, uh, toss that out in their room and walk away. Be okay with the quiet. Sometimes it's okay to just sit and be quiet with your kid. Um. Another thing is to let us know what we're doing well. Tell us what really is working with us. And if we would hear a lot more of that, then we would probably be able to take some of the times that you're a little more negative or that you've got to correct us. That's the child. You need to tell the child what they're doing well. Always. We need to to tell them that. Another just simple rule is check your motives. If your motive is to correct your child, you'll notice that very few people like that. Very few people like to know that they need to be corrected. 
So instead, an easier way to probably get them to buy in is just have your motive be to let them know that they're loved, that they're safe, that you're going to be here for them, that you're not going away. Because if we can know that you know you're there for that, that you have a parent that's there for you when you're bored, when you're lonely, when you're embarrassed, and you're a safe parent, that's a motive that they'll be able to use forever. Well, if you're if you're doing this stuff and they realize that they can talk to you, would will they come back and talk to you yeah. openly, or would or does that still take a lot of time? It will, and it might, and they may not ever do it the way you want them to do it, except. Right. So you're not trying to win a race here. No, So no. this is a marathon. So you may not get them when they're 12. Well, yeah. But you might get them when they're 17. Okay. And you, Or you might get them when they're 18 like Mike and blows his discs out and he knows automatically. Mike knew he could trust his parents to call him. But Mike had to overcome his own stuff, his own depression and frustration with that. And, you know, so if we can just get them in the long run to come see us – but that doesn't happen you know, in seven years. That happens by me doing a little bit today and being safe and not demanding and not forcing their hand. Okay. Parents, you play an essential role. I mean, let's get real. You are the key to your kids, and we need to all pick up more. The reason you know, society struggles is because no relationship is perfect, no parenting relationship is perfect, and no child is perfect. But if we all step in, like the coaches, like the teams, like your friends, like the neighbors, as a dad, I not only watch out for my kids, but I watch out for their friends. Because if my kids oh, yeah. have good friends, then my kids have a better advantage. So I, I don't think anybody's ever going to complain if you call up and say, hey, I kind of heard this from yeah. your child today. Yeah. I don't know if – but you know, don't present it as oh well. I think they're evil because they totally. they said something. Just say, um, I just heard this. I wanted you to know. Yeah. Do you know how many kids just that are my my friends of my sons mm-hmm. that I end up coaching, just about life and their goals and their mission and their purpose, just in and out of my house. I bet. And that's simply because. I know that if he's struggling, he's going to pull my son with him, and mm-hmm. so instead I bring him in and we get real. Uh, it's cool, guys. Uh, parents, we can do it. And guys, you know, they're, the world's not bad. This is a great time to live. Mm-hmm. Technology's not the problem, remember. It's the fact that as human beings, sometimes we feel disconnected. And uh, you know, good conversation can fix that. We're going to take a break and wrap this show up, put a nice big bow on it when we come back. Uh, We're also going to be introducing a new segment that I just call Townsend's Heroes. One of my – I just want to start pointing out the healthy people in the world, the ones that, you know, amaze us, that surprise us and do some pretty powerful things. We'll take a break when we come back. Townsend's Heroes are up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping it up, tying a big bow on it. We're going to send it to James. See if we can get him to come back. In the house, Michael Pond's with us, babysitting the board, and, of course, Sean O'Neill. Producing, as always. Here's the deal. I have... I heard the music just die. It's so sad. I'm sorry. Uh... Do you want it back? No, I, this is good. It's fine. Um, I really like 
this idea of um, there's a lot of good going on in the world, folks, and there's little miracles happening here and there. There's also just heroes, people that just do amazing things. And I wanted to start pointing them out a little bit more on my show because a lot of times all we hear is the doom and the gloom. And instead, I want us to know that there are people that just naturally make a difference. And there are miracles. And one of the one of the great miracles I just found was um, – did you hear about this motorcyclist who's riding his motorcycle through the streets of San Francisco? Mm-mm, and no. a car smashes right into him. Ow. He's wearing a helmet with a, head, a helmet cam, a GoPro on it. Right. And he got hit flipped, did a complete flip somersault, and landed right on his feet. And it's all caught on video of his helmet. Wait a minute. Is he fine? He's totally fine? His shins hurt. This wasn't the guy that landed on top of the car, was it? Nope. Okay. This is the guy that got hit, flipped. Didn't, so he landed on the street? But he hit, got hit by the front of the car. And the smash, the, the hit of the motorcycle when it hit the car flipped him right over his bike and the hood of the car, and he landed on his feet. And it's all in video. It was the coolest thing ever. And amazingly, everyone around him was like, whoa. <laughs> no You're kidding. pretty amazing. But, uh, you know, he's like, I'm fine. My shins hurt a little bit. He's totally normal. Anyway, that's a miracle. Not my hero, though. Here's another one. Um, this is a homeless guy is reading a book, and he's been reading the same book over and over and over, on, you know, just on the street. He's got his one book. He's got to keep reading it. And some guy walks by and sees him. He's seen him reading this book for months, the same book. And uh, the guy talked to him and found out that that's the only book he has. So this guy, out of nowhere, we just gave him his Kindle. I guess his Kindle was loaded up with books. Wow. And he just hands over his Kindle. Now, the sad thing is, I don't know how he'll ever get another book on the Kindle. But sure. the guy's got a bunch of books now to read. And one man sees the need, doesn't you know mess around, and just gives the guy his Kindle. He's a 31-year-old engineer for a company. He works for an IT security company. Uh, he has a lot of hobbies, climbing, running, cycling, but he doesn't want his name to be known. And he just basically saw the need. Wow. That's, That's cool. cool. How many of us would just like give away our technology? Here you go. And he didn't like, let me go get the bad one. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think homeless, I mean, I think Kindle needs to make a homeless version. But, you know. I, one that can be I wet. I one that can mind, be out there on the street. I wouldn't mind getting a second Kindle in my house. There you go. I don't have a Kindle. I have a Nook, actually. But well, still. You know what? Let's just let's do it. Give your Nook away. Take your Nook. Well, I, it already has been given away since my daughter, daughter has it. it. Yes. What a cool story. And again, every one of us out there, we've all had a prompting or a premonition or something where we just needed to do something. So let's make a challenge today. Let's go change a life. Now, hero of the day, and this is the first hero of the day, and it's, it's just a weird one, but honestly, it, it was moving to me. There is a woman in the Midwest uh, named Terry Roberts, and she was sick. She's a 56-year-old Nebraska woman. She fell ill and was hospitalized, and they originally thought that she was just suffering a case of the flu. Later, she was diagnosed as having Group A streptococcus and eventually developed toxic shock syndrome and fell into a coma. Her, livers and her, her liver and her kidneys shut down, and her chances for survival kept falling. 
As her continued con- as her condition continued to deteriorate, her family eventually decided to take her off the ventilator. We're taking her off. Hmm. We're going to let her die. Tough decision. Horrible decision. Yes. And so, and it's so interesting, you know, because we hear all of these people that you know are so wanting to die. The story of that young woman that was dying of cancer and wanted to choose her death. And right. So death is a big decision, right? And they're about to take her off the ventilator. And the doctors were convinced that there was no hope for this woman and delivered the news to her friends and family that they would lose their beloved Terry. Then, by the way, uh, the son had to kind of go think about it. Um, Four hours before they pulled the plug, I guess they needed to do some things before they could pull the plug. They have to get – probably have to sign some documents. Sign the documents. I think people – they wanted everyone to be there and – Four hours before they could have the plug, pull the plug, guess what happened? She woke up. You're kidding me. She woke up. For whatever reason, it wasn't her time yet. The 35-year-old son, Ryan Roberts, said at the news conference, she just magically woke up about four hours before we took her off life support. That's amazing. Holy cow. Can you believe it? The Omaha World Herald reports that the family was prepared to, to meet the Roberts medical team um, to take her to get hospice care, and, mm-hmm. and once they took her off the ventilator, uh, the, he he said, Ryan, her son said, when I left, I was ready to not see her again. And instead, he got a call from his dad that basically said, you got to get back here. Mom wow. woke up. She Jeez. doesn't have to be with Andrea yet. By the way, Andrea was their sister, his sister, the daughter of Terry that had died mm-hmm. a few years ago. Jeez. And uh, she now, by the way, she had to have her legs amputated because of the infection. Oh, okay. And she's got a long way back. Her yes. kidneys, her her failed liver, they all have to kind of work their way back. But uh, she's alive and she's well. And now uh, she's trying to just keep showing a zest for life. So there you have it. Terry Roberts, my hero of the day. She pulled through. That's pretty darn cool. Uh, As we go out of here today, uh, George Bernard Shaw gave us a great quote. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Let's take the challenge as we've learned. Figure out what you know you need to go do. Let's get closer to our kids. Let's make sure everybody on this great big ball of mud know that they're loved. And let's, uh, let's never give up our fight. Let's always keep fighting and keep finding zest for life, my friends. Thanks for joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More ideas tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got some great stuff about how to help girls realize their true beauty instead of just following the media image of women. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Take care.